0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. As I'm sure I've told you before, I grew up in an evangelical and at times borderline charismatic Episcopal church. So unlike a lot of mainline Protestant uh, youth, I grew up with a healthy knowledge of the work of the Holy Spirit. We were an alpha training congregation, and so we taught churches from all over the country how to put on a 10 week crash course in Christianity that had a whole weekend retreat devoted to the work of the Holy Spirit. Later, when I worked there as a youth minister, our associate rector regularly held healing services where people would fall out in the spirit. It was an ushering assignment that I will never forget. One of my responsibilities as youth minister was to organize an annual trip to the Creation Music Festival. It's a giant Christian music festival in a field in the middle of nowhere somewhere in Pennsylvania. We had a huge group attend the year that I organized it, so big that we got our own section of the campground and two private porta-potties. I was so popular. We were there for three days and two nights and saw hours upon hours of live music. Christian rock, Christian pop, Christian rap, all kinds of praise and worship music. And during the concert, I noticed that there are two kinds of Christian music fans. On the one hand, there's a group of fairly reserved listeners. Their lips might move just a little bit as they quietly as possible sing along. They might sway just barely if the groove hits them just right. But for the most part, they sit and enjoy the music rather stoically. I associate this group with the coming of the Holy Spirit as we heard in John's gospel just a moment earlier. The other group is more acts two in their experience of the music concert. Eyes closed, hands raised up to the heavens, the songs pouring forth from their body at the peak of their lungs and spontaneous dancing was not out of the question with this group. They were clearly caught up in the spirit in a more Pentecostal sense, big, brash and bold. So this morning, we hear two different accounts of the coming of the Holy Spirit. The more familiar one comes from Acts chapter 2. The 11 remaining original disciples and Matthias and a group of women and likely a handful of others were all gathered together to celebrate the Feast of Shavuot. It's one of the three major festivals of the Jewish calendar that required pilgrims to come to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. It's known in Greek as Pentecost because it happens 50 days after the Passover and it's the feast of the first fruits. The first loaves of bread that were baked from the harvest of the early wheat were brought to the temple as an offering to God in the hopes that the harvest would be plentiful all the year through. There were pilgrims from all over the Jewish diaspora, the known world to the people of Israel who came and brought their offerings. So the city is teeming with hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of pilgrims who have come to worship God and the disciples are in the house. It's been 10 days since Jesus ascended into heaven and told them to wait, to wait because the Holy Spirit was going to come with power and might. 10 days of waiting and wondering. And then all of a sudden, a cacophony of wind and flames alighted atop each of them and they began to proclaim the good news of God in Christ in every language spoken by the Jewish faithful around the world. The scene was so chaotic that it began to garner the attention of passers-by and in the narrow streets filled with people, the news of this strange event spread rapidly. Soon the house was surrounded by thousands of people who were trying to figure out why these bumpkins from Galilee could speak their language. It didn't make any sense. Some of them assumed that it had resulted from an early celebration and they were filled with new wine. But others looked on with true amazement. And from the middle of all of that chaos, Peter steps forward and speaks alone, though presumably he's understood by everybody who's there. And he proclaims to the crowd gathered that what they are seeing is not the result of beer on their Cheerios, but that the spirit they are filled with is the very spirit of God, who had come to fulfill the promise of the prophet Joel. The Spirit would be poured out upon all flesh, young or old, all genders, all races, all classes, free and enslaved. It didn't matter. The Spirit of God was available to anyone and everyone who called upon the name of the Lord. Luke, the author of Acts, tells us that 3,000 people were added to the Jesus movement that day. 3,000 people from every language and kingdom and nation and tribe, and they couldn't help but take that good news back to their communities. And like that, the gospel spread like wildfire. But this wasn't the first encounter that the disciples had had with the Holy Spirit. Fifty days earlier, they were once again gathered in a room together. This time, the door was locked because they were afraid Jesus had died on Friday and by Sunday his body was missing and the word was that he had been resurrected from the dead and the disciples were terrified about what that might mean so ten of them along with various Marys and a few other women were holed up behind a locked door when all of a sudden Jesus appears in the midst of them and he says to them Shalom Peace be with you. Clearly they are shocked and amazed. And so he shows them his hands and his side. And he says to them again. Shalom. Peace be with you. And then Jesus commissioned them to follow in his footsteps. Proclaiming that the kingdom of God had come near. And he breathed the Holy Spirit upon them. This breath of new life. It didn't come with wind and flame and tongues. It just came as a breath the spirit of peace. But this breath was meant to be shared. If you help others be set free from their sin, Jesus says, then they will be forgiven. But if you hold on to the spirit, if you refuse to share it, their sins will be retained. Go, go, therefore, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. There isn't a right or wrong way to engage with the Holy Spirit. Some of you might be more subtle in your Christianity, more Johannine, the spirit of peace coming like a calming breath. Others of you may associate more with the Holy Spirit in Acts, ready to jump up and down to make sure the world knows that God loves them. Either way, polite or wild, what we learn in these two stories about the Holy Spirit is that it calls us to a ministry of evangelism, to sharing the good news of God's love to a world that desperately needs it. Our job as disciples of Jesus is to encourage others to find the way of love. And We don't do it in isolation, but rather as a community brought together by the spirit, precisely for that purpose, that the whole world might see and know the saving love of Jesus. Go, go empowered by the Holy Spirit, to follow the way of Jesus, proclaiming in word and deed that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Take our minds and think through them. Take our lips and speak through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love of you. Amen.